Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, yes, get up, get hyped. It is Tuesday morning here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast, recapping another Monday Night Raw here for you, Ricky Chino, SP3, here as we always are. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. Got a lot to dive into last night. We got a uh, kind of a dream matchup. This is one of those ones that we were talking about why we didn't get on the Raw after Mania. We got it last night, ended in a countout finish. But we got Cody Rhodes versus Kevin Owens in the main event last night. We had two championship matches. One ended in a heel turn. Another one ended in a new champion. And both of them we saw coming a mile away, SP3. Uh, We will break down all of that. Edge and Damian Priest are back to their, uh, I guess, brutish uh, tricks uh, this week with AJ Styles. We'll dive into that. And a match that we thought was headed for WrestleMania Backlash is actually going to be taking place next week in Knoxville. Seems like WWE is rushing things. I think that's going to be the theme of a lot of what I'm going to talk about here today, SP3. But how are you on this Tuesday morning? Kind of tired after watching Monday Night Raw. That was, uh, you know a long two, uh, three hours to get through. The first hour and a half was not that bad. It was the last hour and a half was a little bit of a struggle ended with a, a good main event with a lame finish, but that's WWE's MO. The last time I said that was when they gave us AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. So they yeah. just tend to give us these matches that we really want to see and then deliver a lame finish on top of it. So it leaves you coming out of the three hours like, Meh. Yeah, exactly. It's like, was it worth the three hours? If you didn't stay up, that's why you're tuning into us. All right. We've noticed that this happens to be like our biggest show of the week. So thank you very much. We stay up and watch these lame ass finishes. So you don't have to. You can just tune in here every Tuesday morning. It's 7 a.m. when you're fresh and ready to go for your work day, and we could carry you through and tell you everything you missed and why it sucked or why it was great. Pulling back the curtain a little bit, Rick was like very surprised at first that this is our highest rated show of the week, (laughs) and then I gave him the logic behind it is that people have given up watching this three-hour show, so they might as well just wake up at 7 a.m. and get the recap from us. It it is, Dude, it's a lot. Like, right, it's even a lot for me. Even like when it's a good Raw, it's a lot. Because I get up, as you do, really early in the morning. So we'll wrap up this recording. Just pull the damn curtain down. We'll wrap up this recording around midnight, right? I'll get it uploaded about 1230. I might finally fall asleep around 1. And then my alarm goes off at 430. So I'm even more tired for Tuesday night's NXT show. At least that ends an hour earlier. So I get an hour's worth of sleep. So if WWE ever wanted to just go, you know what? Three hours of Raw, you guys are right. It's a little too much. We can condense it down. Less is more. I would be happy, but they're not going to do that because they make a ton of money off that third hour. But why don't they just start at 7? Like, if they started at Uh, 7, I think that it would be a little bit more digestible if they're going to do three hours. Start at 7 p.m. 
do we really need law and order Chicago or whatever the hell it is, Chicago fire or whatever the hell it is that airs on USA before Monday night raw every week? The answer is no. doesn't matter what the hell it is, please. Yeah. Seven to 10. That would be great. It'd be great. Again, I say, screw the people on the West coast. They run it on a delay anyway. Don't they three hour delay on the West coast? Yeah. There you go. Screw them. I don't care. I'm a very selfish person when it yeah. comes uh, to my pro wrestling, but all I ask, dang it, all I ask is for stuff to talk about. And uh, our friends over at FIFA Select did give us a couple of nuggets that we're going to dive into as well. But first things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. We would not be here without them. The number one source, the continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs. SP3 was bragging about the Mavericks for some reason before we started this show. You can even get the next season's futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who you pick into the World Series? Head on over. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting your favorite Vegas casino and poker game. Super easy to get started. Go head on over to the website today or use your mobile device. Join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That is B-L-E-A-V. Receive your 50% welcome bonus. I said 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. In SP3, we will start where Raw ended last night. Actually, where it began as well, because there was a really nice ex promo exchange to kick off Monday Night Raw between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. I loved how these two guys kind of displayed their different promo types. Cody, very eloquent, you know, playing up to the crowd. Seth Rollins, very charismatic, got the cackle going, a little diabolical, two different uh, variations of promos. It all came down to arguing over who was better, and we ended up getting Seth Rollins saying, the only way you beat me, and this is something that he has said before, is that I did not know you were my opponent. So that sets up the main event where Seth Rollins says, hey, look, you're going to challenge a mystery opponent of my choosing. He only has one friend in the entire locker room, so we knew it was going to be Kevin Owens. But regardless, great matchup all the way up until the finish where Kevin Owens walked out on Seth Rollins. I will say this much. If somebody who I thought was my friend told me to get my fat ass up off the ground and get back into the ring and finish the job, I'd probably walk on out on his ass too. So the finish made sense, but it doesn't make it any less disappointing. I would say I would keep these kind of finishes away from Cody Rhodes at all costs. Yeah. I mean, you're, I guess you're in WWE's mind, you're saving this match, uh, a, a finish for this match for when you really want to do this match, whether it's on an episode of Raw and you can promote it for a week or the whole entire show and, uh, you know, pay it off that way or whether this is going to be a pay-per-view match in a few weeks from now maybe hell in a cell maybe after wrestlemania backlash cody's done with seth rollins and you need a fill-in pay-per-view matchup you can sure, go back to kevin owens and cody rhodes but yeah it just yeah it didn't it just <laughs> it just left you very flat coming out of this show which was actually better than the last couple of weeks it was actually better than the last two weeks in my opinion because they booked it the way i thought they should have booked 
the the first week coming out of WrestleMania was you have Cody at the beginning of the show, have Cody at the end of the show. Give me a promo with Cody at the beginning of the show and then have the main event with Cody. That was the wise decision for anyone who is you still have a couple of fans who are just watching because Cody is here. That's the best way to keep them engaged for the whole entire show. Have him book end the show. So that was a wise decision. Uh, There was stuff to enjoy throughout the night, but you just come out this whole entire three hours like meh and the fact that this middle of the road show is an improvement over the last two weeks says a lot about the quality of raw since wrestlemania yeah well we've only had three of them and they're they're trending upward so i i guess if we wanted to look at it in a positive way that would be the way to spin it uh because we both agreed that the raw after mania was a major dud this year the following week was better this week was better so again, we're trending in the right direction here. That's a good thing. Um, look, if WWE is saving something between Cody Rhodes and and Kevin Owens, I, I, I guess good on them for saving something uh, out of this show because they sure aren't saving a whole lot of other things that have been going on. We'll dive into a little bit of those coming up here in a few moments. But there was this is kind of interesting, and I, I wanted to get your opinion. I didn't put this in the five count today because I feel like this is something we could spend an entire episode on. But just kind of briefly, if we can, the question did come up in kayfabe tonight who's better cody rhodes or seth rollins if i asked you that question what would your answer be so this is actually a, a topic that's been on social media i got a shout out uh grapsity and fightfuls uh phil Lindsay, who's been kind of the uh, the patron of the seth rollins movement and seth deserves better yes, and deserves more credit for what he is but I actually thought about it and I was like, I can legitimately say there are 10 wrestlers better than Seth Rollins in the world. And that's the reason why Seth Rollins is not considered to a lot of people in the best wrestler in the world type of conversation. But if you are just looking strictly on WWE and in Seth Rollins mind, WWE is the wrestling world. No other people outside of it really matter. When you just look at the WWE, he's in that top five. He's in the best wrestlers in that company. And who, if I, if I, if you had to ask me and put a gun to my head, who is better wrestler overall character, mic work, star power in the ring, I will take Seth Rollins over Cody Rhodes. But it's not as big of a margin as it once was a few years ago. I feel like Cody has gotten better in the ring. He's, I feel like he is the better talker between these two. And I just have to get used to this character that was rage against the machine. And I'm going to, you know, live up to my dad's name by doing my own thing by starting a revolution and now he's within the machine he's not raging against the machine he's within the machine he's like neo going back into the matrix and matrix revolution i have to get used to it so i would say right now seth has the better character because he's got he's grown into that character but if you're talking about you know like those three options character mic work in the ring Seth takes two out of the three, so I'll take Seth. Yeah, it. I to your point, I get it because it's still very surreal to see Cody Rhodes on WWE television. Hell, it is still very surreal to see the American Nightmare uh, on WWE television because this is something that does not happen very often. 
the MO for WWE is, oh, cool. You've been able to get over and get, and grow a name and grow a brand for yourself with this name and this character. Cool. Because you were able to do that, we're going to sign you. But we're going to strip everything away from you that made you successful. And now you have to be successful within our system and be who we tell you to be. They don't do this a whole lot often. So the fact that they went out and they bought a character that they did not create and to see it on WWE programming and to see it thrive, to, to see it be the most over character in the company right now, like Cody Rhodes is massively over. I don't know how long this honeymoon is going to last, but I've been saying that with CM Punk too. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see if he keeps getting these over crowd reactions. All the man's got to do is just do the unearthing, just pull the hands up and say, come on. And the crowd loses their damn mind. So it's like, he's, He's got him eating out of the palm of his hands right now. And on top of that, he's doing good work. I don't know if I could pick one over the other, to be completely honest with you, because I'm a big fan of both of them. I think it is fair to say that Seth was better sooner. And I think he, it's, it's fair to say that he's more accomplished, at least as far as WWE is concerned. But I think Cody has caught up. And I think... If Cody can rack up the WWE championship wins and get those major accolades, I think they're going to be on very even footing. But again, if you put a gun to my head, yeah, maybe I, I think, I think I'd choose Seth Rollins, but it's really freaking close. It's very, very close. And it's again, you can't go wrong either way on by picking one of these guys, in my opinion. And I will say, I just wanted to point this out. I would kind of rank Seth uh, ahead of Roman Reigns, actually, as well, too, because people don't like to talk about it too often. But Roman Reigns really hasn't had a great match since SummerSlam. Like, it's been a while. He's had good matches. He's had good matches against Brock. At, you know, WrestleMania was a good match. His match against Big E at Survivor Series was a good match. His match against Seth at Royal Rumble could have been a great match, but it wound up just being very good because of the finish. Yep. But he hasn't had a great match since Cena at SummerSlam. And that's me being very objective and probably being generous because some people don't consider that a great match. So yeah, the, booking has, the booking robbed him of two great matches. Well, the match against Finn Balor at Extreme Rules was fantastic until the, the turnbuckle broke. Yeah. Um, and yes, the match with Seth Rollins at Royal Rumble could have been very, very good. And then again, the ending's the ending kind of screwed him and then whatever that was the biggest wrestling match of all time just felt like a match on monday night raw like that's what the the finish was just the yeah. it, it, it climaxed too soon all right like it was the anti-veer it just ended too soon <laughs> um uh but i did i did bring up uh finn balor and um man you want to talk about something ending too damn soon uh, his United States title run is over before it ever even begun. SB3, did you realize that last night was his first televised title defense? I did. It was his first and his last. 48 days as the United States champion is over after he lost to, don't call me, Austin Theory. Um, I, I It was a good match, but the whole time, I think you could feel the tension in the arena except for like the three dudes in the front row who were genuinely shocked that Austin won the match. You could tell they haven't been paying attention to WWE programming for the last six damn months. Cause you could see this coming a mile away with the guy working with, with Vince McMahon. Um, good match. They kind of protected Finn in the finish a little bit there with the, the neck injury. Okay, fine. But to me, this was 
too, too, too damn soon. It was just too damn soon. It felt like they rushed right into this. This is the same guy. This is Austin Theory we're talking about here, who, yes, has been he, he has been gifted the, the Vince McMahon magic carpet ride to the mountaintop, right? He has been christened. He has been called a future world champion. He's been working with Vince McMahon for the last six months. He had a major match at WrestleMania. He lost that match at WrestleMania. Not only did he lose that match at WrestleMania, but he lost to Pat McAfee, who, yes, is an announcer, but he's also, yes, a world-class athlete, but he was still a guy who was wrestling his third, fourth match, fourth match ever. In third match ever in WWE, and he beat Austin Theory. And then Vince McMahon beat Pat McAfee. So Austin Theory lost to a dude who's also an announcer who then lost to a 76-year-old man. And then less than three weeks later, he won the United States Championship. This entire thing just feels incredibly rushed, and I honestly don't know how much this did for Austin Theory. Yes, you can have the entire heel locker room come out and hoist Theory up on his shoulder on their shoulders. That didn't make any damn sense to me. Yeah, you can have Vince McMahon up on the stage saying, "See, I told you, he's the man." But doing this on a random Raw in Buffalo, New York, uh, in April, when there's very been very little build and absolutely no pub to this Finn Balor United States title run, I don't know how big this this win really is when it could have been something if they just would have let it breathe and they would have built this and maybe give Finn Balor a couple of at least a couple successful title defenses instead this is just like oh hey theory's the champ now we're gonna run with it let's go I mean I don't know what you were expecting I don't understand. I think that it was made very clear with the several victories that he got in over Finn uh, in singles competition, as well as in six-man tags, that Finn Balor just won the United States Championship to lose it to Theory. That's what it was all about. It wasn't about him getting revitalized with the United States Championship. It wasn't about him getting successful title defenses. Finn Balor should be changing his number because this did this loss really didn't this yeah it it really is a bad sign for Finn Balor who they sent back to NXT and yes he got paid main roster money to be in NXT get a second run with the NXT championship have great matches with Kyle O'Reilly Johnny Gargano Matt Riddle he even did well to put over Karrion Cross on his way out and we saw what happened to Karrion Cross. Yeah, but sure. this whole main roster run or return has the wheels have been falling off ever since John Cena wrote his name on the contract for SummerSlam. Like this, yeah. it hasn't been good since then. And people keep trying to like see a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. But I'll say what I said on Twitter right after the loss. Finn Balor needs to call up Kashida and ask him, how did you get out of this contract and head back to Japan with him? Because I'd rather see Prince Devitt make a return and be a heavyweight in New Japan Pro Wrestling and have great matches with Okada and Tadahashi again. Have first time ever matches with like Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Then I do want to see Finn Balor still on this main roster because it hasn't, it didn't work the first time. It isn't working this time. It's time to just call it quits. If he's only got a couple of months or a year left on his deal, 
run that stuff out. Don't matter. It don't matter what they pay me. I'm sorry. I would be out of there because it seems like his glass ceiling is mid card titles that he just holds for someone else to beat him for it. it. It's almost like, and I'm not saying that there's any validity to this, but to me, it's almost like management never forgave him for getting hurt after they put the United States or the, the universal championship on. I've been saying this for, for six years now that when he got hurt, after winning the universal championship Vince put him with the label of injury prone although he's only had that one injury Vince feels like he is injury prone and will not invest in him and it's been made very clear through one run on the main roster and through the second run on the main roster that they will not invest in him as a top star which is kind of insane because he still is one of the most over guys in the entire company uh which is kind of another theme that we're going to be talking about here coming up with another uh raw superstar who was not on the show uh again last night but at least there was a, a good reason for it uh this time around we do want to thank our friends as soon as i pull up the uh, copy here over at athletic greens sp3 tons of people take multivitamins but it's important to choose one that is top quality with one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You are absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day off right. Their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It is also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar, no chemicals or artificial anything reclaim your health arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that is it to make it even easier athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash believe that is b-l-e-a-v again athleticgreens.com slash believe these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease athletic greens take ownership of your health i will say one thing as bad as this was for finn balor last night i think this is going to be a good thing as far as the united states championship is concerned because austin theory is actually somebody that vince wants to build in somebody who vince is trying to push which means that this united states championship which did not have a match at wrestlemania uh is going to be featured more prominently moving forward so i guess i can't complain there but i hate this for finn balor I wish he got better or I, I, I wish he got better booking period uh, over the last six years. But uh, yeah, man, it just doesn't seem like Vince is ever going to be willing to go there. It's time to answer the five count on the believe podcast network. All right. So in our, our pre-show meeting here, SP three, uh, you know, we're doing the rundown for everything and I could already tell where your answer is going to go here. I will just say I liked what I saw out of Edge and, and Damian Priest last night. I really did enjoy uh, the promo that they laid down talking about why they're together now, how they felt like they, they should be better on the card than where they are and how together they're going to be stronger. It kind of got the motivation for how this, this all came together. Edge cuts a good promo here. Damian Priest cuts a good promo here. And then they do kind of a altered Bray Wyatt lights go out AEW special here, and they show up and they attack AJ Styles. I liked it. I even liked AJ Styles telling the interviewer to, you got to get out of here while the lights flicker. And that was very, very chivalrous of, of Mr. AJ Styles. I liked a lot of what I saw last night. I'm back on the train. 
I am. I'm just waiting for Edge to call this group the the uh, uh, the grand jury so I can do the Leonardo DiCaprio and point at the damn screen and say I called this like two damn months ago. I'm waiting for it. I'm back on board. What say you? Did Edge and Damian Priest, uh, what they did last night, were they able to salvage the wreckage of the purple light finish from last week, which they chalked up to being mind games? I don't like that part of it, but at least they gave us a reason for it. Exactly. No, no, that wasn't a good reason. It don't matter if it's just a reason. It has to be a good reason. And that was a trash reason. And the promo was good with Edge and Damian Priest. And then the freaking light gimmick. Oh, my God. Just do lights on, lights off. It's like the opposite of AEW. We just told AEW to not do lights on, lights off, lights off, lights on. You guys should have just done it. Don't do the flickering light because that was just an eye-rolling experience. I I need to be convinced to get back on board with this because I it's it's go away heat for me now. Like Edge and Damian Priest did a good job of explaining how they got together and formed their partnership. They did a horrible job of explaining that purple light finish from last week, and it just comes off very over the top and like a wish.com version of Ministry of Darkness and the Brood. Don't remind me of the groups that you've been in edge where you did this better. Don't do that. I know you, I know this was a point to be like, you know, I, I, I was born in the darkness. I didn't embrace it. I was born in the darkness, but I rather you had just alluded to it than just name the factions that you did this better in. So I would like no. to know, I would like to know what and I'm assuming it's Vince here. I would love to know the obsession with taking really cool concepts and really cool gimmicks and really cool characters and then saddling them with a ominous light. Like they did this with the fiend and it kind of killed a lot. Like people spent more time bitching about that red light during his matches than actually enjoying the matches and watching the matches. And I get it because it, it hindered the experience. You couldn't see what the hell was going on. So I understand that. And then it's like, now they're doubling down but with purple instead of red, like I, I just don't understand it. I would be okay if the purple light went away. I, I don't know what it adds to anything. It really doesn't add a damn thing um, other than to just like say, hey, here's this dark, ominous presence that is Edge and Damian Priest. I think that would get along and get over just fine without the purple light. Like it's it's one of those things where WWE is trying to overly convey something to us and they're actually just hindering the experience by forcing this purple light in this situation. I would be okay if that just disappeared. I think about the time that some rumored names SP3 start joining up with this group, you might start hopping back on board again. And one of those is now a, I guess, free agent as another tag team for the women's division did split last night, uh, which means we're down to two, I believe. Um, Maybe we're down to two because is Natalia pulling double duty? I guess. I mean, I guess her and Shayna Baszler are still together because they were in the women's locker room on SmackDown. But okay, so that means your only other tag team on the entire women's division right now is Shayna Baszler and Natalia. Cool. Awesome. At least you got one heel team, one babyface team. I love Sasha and Naomi together, but they're only going to be as good as if they have actual teams to defend the titles against all right so we had four heading into wrestlemania three weeks later 
We're down to two after Rhea Ripley did turn on Liv Morgan last night. Really interesting that that it was actually Rhea that took the pin. I was not expecting that last night. But regardless, Rhea got pissed off that Liv was not there to help her to break up the pinfall. She blamed her for it, attacked her, gave her an awesome-looking riptide at the end of this match, and walked away with the crowd very pissed off that they could do that to their beloved Liv Morgan. SB3, number two here on the five count. Did WWE make the right decision by going through with this Rhea Ripley heel turn? Yes, because that's what Rhea Ripley needed. Rhea Ripley is going to excel in this heel role. I even like the backstage segment where we once again saw the purple light in yep. the background behind her. So it Easter seems egg. like she is heading to this edge group, which I think is going to be the best thing for her. And they just need to keep her strong. Don't have her take any more pinfalls for like the next six to eight to a year because her versus Bianca Belair should be where this raw women's division is heading because that that's like the closest thing to two homegrown stars WWE has in the women's division that they can build to a big time event, whether that is SummerSlam or whether that's next year's WrestleMania. I think that her being in this group is the best thing for her. Yeah, I would love for more women's tag teams, but WWE doesn't seem interested in that. And if you know I'm me, kidding. you know I wear my Vince hat and I think like Vince. Vince don't want this, so I'm okay with this being the route. But that match was going down the road very well, and then some of the wheels fell off. There was like a lot yeah. of mis mistiming, and the match wasn't as good as I expected it to be. So I'm not too much like, oh, I want to see this match again anymore. Like it was after no, their I'm first match on on the Raw after WrestleMania. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm not sitting here saying that I, I was hoping that this feud would continue past tonight. I was just hoping that this match would take place a little bit later down the road. This is once again something. Thing where I'm sitting here going, okay, you pull the trigger on this. It'd have to be three weeks after WrestleMania. Did you have to do it tonight, right now? Again, this all feels very rushed. Could you have at least done this tag team match at WrestleMania Backlash and done the heel turn then? Unless Rhea Ripley, right, is going to be the one that shows up at WrestleMania Backlash and costs AJ Styles. The match, by the way, a rematch has been set between AJ Styles and Edge of WrestleMania Backlash. Didn't say that if you missed that. They um, had to they had to add a match for WrestleMania Backlash because they took one away, which we'll get to. Yes, which we will get to. So Edge and AJ Styles 2 is going to be at WrestleMania Backlash. So unless Rhea Ripley is going to show up and cost AJ Styles the match this time around, I don't know why you go ahead and you do this turn here. Because I feel like what they're going to end up doing is they're going to rush what could be several weeks or a couple of months worth of storylines and just cram them down into two weeks now and have Rhea Ripley destroy Lib Morgan at WrestleMania Backlash. Cool, a non-women's title match feud on a pay-per-view, all for it. So it's like you get some, you, they give it, and they take it away. But man, you could have done the tag team match at WrestleMania Backlash and then at the next pay-per-view, which would be, is it Money in the Bank? or Hell in a Cell. Hell in a, Hell in a Cell. You could have done the Nightmare versus Liv Morgan, maybe inside Hell in a Cell or, you know, on some other point. You could have done that match then. This all just seems very, very rushed. And by the way, by taking your time, you could establish some other tag teams so you don't leave yourself with two. Again, two. 
You could have had Dewdrop and Nikki Ash, a team that actually makes a ton of sense, by the way. You could have had them tagging instead of having Dewdrop sitting in catering and Nikki wearing her superhero outfit and uh, uh, a Hulk Hogan level sash uh, at a wedding and just standing there. Hey, all I know is that we're getting closer to me having that Leonardo DiCaprio moment when Liv Morgan is teaming up with a, the returning Alexa Bliss. I'm going to be like, I told you all. I told you all. <laughs> I, at this point, yes. Like, I'm, I'm like, seriously, just give me some damn teams. Just give me some damn teams. Uh, and again, this is good for Rhea Ripley. And this is honestly what is best for Rhea Ripley. When I wrote my piece for Cage Side Seats, I said, look, the best thing for Rhea Ripley as a whole would be to go off solo and work with Edge because that instantly elevates her. She's going to get pushed. Eventually, she'll win the Raw Women's Championship, probably at SummerSlam over Bianca Belair. That's where I would go there. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you could carry this all the way to WrestleMania. I think that's very cute that you think somebody who's not a four horsewoman is going to be holding a championship heading into next year's WrestleMania. But <laughs> I digress. That's why I'm saying SummerSlam is probably the spot to do that. Um, but this is great for Rhea Ripley. I, I I don't like what this means for Liv Morgan. So yes, if if can if if she if you got to put her in another tag team to find something for her to do, you could do a lot worse than Alexa Bliss. They don't have anything else for Alexa Bliss right now. We will get to that. But first things first, they added Damian Priest and AJ Styles to WrestleMania Backlash, and one match they took away. It seemed like it was a slam dunk that we were going to be getting a Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash when Sonya Deville tricked Bianca Belair into signing an open contract. She attacked her, signed the contract herself, and said, I'm your next opponent. Cool. Great. Everything is fine there. Then we get Sonya Deville, who comes out on Monday Night Raw last night, explains her actions, which I actually thought was great. I do love a good explanation because we don't get them a whole lot in WWE. She said, look, I didn't choose to be an official i was forced into this role didn't outright say it but she was forced into this role because she had to retire from entering competition because she lost to mandy rose so she had to do this position and manipulate her way into an open spot to be a competitor again which i am going to read into why she started screwing with naomi in the first place because that led to her getting a match which meant okay now i'm cool to compete now i can screw over bianca belair and in the process, she also put over Bianca last night. She said Bianca is the best women's wrestler on the roster. That's who she wants to beat for the Raw Women's Championship. I was on board with everything that happened last night. Bianca came down all pissed off, said, screw your suit. I'm going to give you a KOD. She didn't because Sonia gets on the mic and says, hey, you're going to, I will find you. You got to shiver, blah, blah, all that stuff. Adam Pierce ends up finding Sonya Deville a whole dollar bill, which was absolutely hilarious to me last night. I loved all of this, except the match isn't going to be at WrestleMania Backlash SP3. It's going to be next week on Raw in Knoxville. Now, we know that baby faces don't have a very good track record inside their hometown SP3, so I will ask this question. Is there any chance that WWE, after that brilliant booking at WrestleMania, will come back a little over three weeks later, almost four weeks later, in her hometown, her homecoming as the Raw Women's Champion, and put the belt on Sonya Deville. I'm hoping this is just a make good for what they did to Bianca the last time she was in our hometown, where she got embarrassed by Becky Lynch, and Becky Lynch just made her look like a chump in front of her hometown. 
I'm hoping that this is her redemption. And I'm going to say, no, there's no chance Sonya Deville shocks the world next week. This is Bianca Belair's moment. She's going to get the big win in Knoxville. And maybe, I think we may have Becky Lynch return in Knoxville. And that's the match that they set up for, for WrestleMania Backlash. Because you don't really need that to do much. You can just no. do a one-week build before WrestleMania Backlash. Because you did all that work before WrestleMania. So hopefully, Bianca Belair does have a match at WrestleMania Backlash. Because... Yeah, then I'm gonna be very, very confused otherwise because you, you, this WrestleMania backlash kind of needs people like Bianca Belair. If there's not gonna be a Roman Reigns title match, like you need yeah. Bianca Belair defending yeah. the title. So hopefully that's where we're leading. But uh, no, just telling you, Deville doesn't have a chance. And to correct you, I think by accident you said Damian Priest versus AJ Styles. It's gonna be Edge versus AJ Styles oh. too at. WrestleMania back. I said it. I said it correctly the first time. The yeah. second, whatever the second. You know what the match is by now. All right. So anywho, um, I'm gonna put this at about a five percent chance, and I'm gonna say the only re- and there's part of me that that still it's in her hometown should get the big win. Rarely does that actually happen. I would say the only way that Sonya wins this is if you you said it. Becky Lynch returns. And cost Bianca the championship because in Becky's mind, it would be easier to get her belt back off of Sonya Deville than it would be to beat Bianca Belair. So by screwing Bianca out of the title, she could have worked out some kind of a favor where she helped Sonya win. So now she gets a match against Sonya at WrestleMania backlash. And that's her plan for getting her championship back. I could see some kind of angle play out like that. I don't think they actually do it though um maybe we do get becky returning one way shape or form to set up becky and bianca at wrestlemania backlash maybe that does go down and we get a triple threat just to make it a little bit different i think sonya deville kind of deserves a pay-per-view match instead of just a quick one-off i lose and we're done but i i I think it's likely we get the one-off i lose i'm done and then we're back right back to uh, Bianca and Becky Lynch next week. I just hope that this is the end of Sonya Deville being an official, though. Honestly, yeah, she should have... be a full-time uh, competitor. Yeah, just let her be a full co- full-time competitor because I literally was asking the question aren't like aren't you supposed to be retired? Like you you but you went from they give us point A to point C and then you just put in B in there because they didn't explain any of that. They didn't explain that she was targeting Naomi to get a match and therefore she could wrestle again. No, they just did a very poor job to explain how this woman that lost a retirement match at, at SummerSlam 2020 now can wrestle. there really hasn't been a storyline reason i literally had someone reply to my tweet like well she had her reason for not competing well that's not that's real life ladies and gentlemen i need a kayfabe storyline reason why this person that was supposed to be retired is able to wrestle now and challenge Mm -hmm. for the title And, and part of the thing that i like to do with wwe right is because they don't often tell us points a b c and d They will tell us A, they'll sprinkle in a little bit of C, they'll tell us D, and then maybe if we're lucky, we'll get E. I like to look at what we have seen 
and then fill in the gaps. And that is what I read into when I laid it out. When she said she had to manipulate the system, she had to figure a way back to being a competitor. That to me, that's the reason. And I don't know why they didn't just go out and say that that was the reason that she started targeting Naomi in the first place. That was her foot in the door to being a competitor again. And now she's manipulated her way into being a into being in a, a world title match, which has been her goal all along. Before she left at SummerSlam, she was building up to being a viable contender. She was on the run of a lifetime. That that story arc between her and Manny Rose filled the entire summer. It was the hottest storyline of the entire summer before that douchebag ruined everything. So it was it was second. Randy Orton was the best, but yeah, it was second. Okay, it, it was one of one, one of there, the, the hottest stories fair. of the uh, the entire summer. Yes, one of uh, the enti- the hottest stories of the entire summer, and then it it led to absolutely nothing because Mandy Rose was in a tag another tag team. What like two months later? I don't even remember who she was tagging with. Who was she tagging with? And Dana Brooke. Dana was it Dana Brooke? She okay. was she was supposed to be still going out with Otis, and then she was just randomly put on Raw because the Miz talk to the usa executives awesome all right so uh we talked about another random tag team that might be happening here soon might be this no no reports of this this is just your theory that sooner or later Liv morgan is going to end up with alexa bliss uh, a lot of people are um have, have been asking where the hell has alexa bliss been they did this like nine part vignette therapy session to get her back to normal even though she wasn't really back to normal uh with you know basically getting a brand new lily doll even though she was supposed to be letting go of lily whatever they bring her back at elimination chamber right and she got the loudest pop of anybody in that match had a spectacular match by the way looked absolutely great looked healthy, looked refreshed, looked ready to go, looked like she was on on, on a primed for a major run. And then we haven't seen her since. Not even the Raw in Columbus did she get a dark segment, a damn dark segment in her hometown, which again, ominous clouds around Bianca Belair next week. All right, I'm just saying. The people were asking, where the hell has Alexa Bliss been? And she's been pretty kind of, open on social media saying i don't have a damn clue don't ask me i don't know what the hell is going on so fightful select was able to report this yesterday that she has been off tv for the last few months uh came a little earlier than many expected as she did get married recently which is why she's been off on her honeymoon for the last couple of weeks uh but they said uh, talent creative and higher ups that fightful spoke to said it became known that bliss voiced her displeasure in the days following elimination chamber about her creative direction, or most importantly, lack thereof. Uh, Despite her not appearing on the WrestleMania car, Creative was told that she was willing to work the show and that there were pitches to involve her in the Becky Lynch-Bianca Belair match. Those were quickly shot down. They were not able to confirm that those pitches came from Bliss or somebody within Creative. Uh, We were told by the end of February that it was pretty well determined internally that Bliss would not be featured on WrestleMania. And uh, those that we spoke to say the priority of booking Bliss shifted significantly after. Uh, those vignettes and Alexa bliss was very transparent about her frustration of nothing of substance coming out for her. So over superstar great match. They did all of this to bring her back for one match. 
take her off ahead of WrestleMania. And now we're left wondering when is she going to be coming back? SP3, I'd say I'm surprised. But this company? No, not really. Not really. I'm not surprised by this latest report at all from FIFA Select. What say you? Oh, absolutely not. I'm not surprised. I It's literally felt from the beginning like they just brought her back to fill in that spot. They literally didn't have enough women for that, for that elimination chamber match. So they had to bring somebody in and that somebody was Alexa. So it is what it is. It's not very surprising to me. Um, the the whole her getting involved in the Bianca and Becky that would have been an even worse decision than not having plans for Alexa Bliss is shoehorning her into something that was perfect on its own. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, but the fact that you have someone who's so talented and you know been able to do whatever character you decide her to do, whether it's the pixie queen that she was when she first came into NXT, then there was this like Harley Quinn type of Alexa Bliss that went that eventually came to the main roster and excelled as like a you know an over heel on either roster raw or in SmackDown, and then you gave her the fiend gimmick the female fiend and she was able to succeed with that but you kept her off of television for six months and then your big idea to bring her back is a whole bunch of vignettes where you had vignettes to solve her not being the female fiend and she came back as the female fiend anyway so it's very baffling WWE's just whole thinking when it comes to the Alexa Bliss character. They really haven't had a good idea for Alexa Bliss since the original idea to get her involved in the Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman feud that created her becoming the female Bliss. That was great. The, her, the female fiend, that was great within itself. But everything after her becoming the female fiend, you know, some people like you enjoyed it. And I said she did well with the role, but it wasn't the most entertaining that she's been. The most entertaining that she's been is when she was a heel and dominant on SmackDown and Raw. Get her back to there or get her back to some form of a foolproof plan that you had for her where she was right underneath the four horsewomen in one of the more protected and well-booked females that they've had in the past six years. I don't know what's happened in the past two years, but they need to revert the course. She has not been predominantly featured as a main event competitor since she got squashed by Ronda Rousey. like. She just hasn't. She she hasn't been. I can't remember the last time she had. Uh, okay, so Columbus, right? The or yeah, it was Extreme Rules. She had the the women's title shot against Charlotte Flair. I think that was like the last time since Ronda Rousey. Like I can't remember a whole lot of opportunities she's even had at the women's championship. She had a really nice run with Nikki Ash and the the tag team titles. I really did like that pairing together. But as far as being a main event competitor, she hasn't been booked that way in quite some time. And frankly, it is time like she should be. And I know you have your sights set on, you know, you got Ronda and and Charlotte over on SmackDown right now. Ronda probably going to win the championship at uh at WrestleMania Backlash, if she doesn't, I think Alexa Bliss would be a very viable person because Charlotte's the whole damn reason she went on her hiatus in the first place. Are we just going to sit here and believe that Alexa Bliss saw her beloved Lily doll 
ripped to shreds in front of her by Charlotte Flair, and she ain't going to want to get no damn revenge for that. That's how you should have brought her back in the first damn place, even if she lost with Charlotte Flair. That's how you should have brought her back. That's a slam dunk. Not the vignettes to have one match at Elimination Chamber and then take her off of TV because you don't have anything else for her. If that's all you were going to do, you shouldn't have brought her back in the first damn place. You should have just plugged that hole with Dana Brooke, Carmella, or Queen Zelina. You had people that you could have plugged in there. And then there was, uh, there were some reports that they were talking about having like Alexa bliss, like co win that match somehow. Like the, the, remember those reports where there, there was talks of having here either win or co win. So that kind of lines up there with what Sean reported. Sean Ross up there of, putting Bianca or putting Alexa in there with Bianca and Becky. And everybody's talking about that, right? Everybody's focusing on those pitches with Bianca and Becky and saying, oh, well, WWE made the right call. WWE can be both right and wrong in this situation. They were absolutely positively right by not putting Alexa bliss in with Bianca and Becky. That was perfect on its own. It was Arguably the best match in the entire WrestleMania weekend. Arguably. There were a lot of great matches WrestleMania weekend, but that was the favorite of a lot of people. But where they were wrong was to watch Alexa Bliss's performance at Elimination Chamber. Hear that crowd reaction. Know how talented she is. Know how over she is. Know how much merch she's moving because they're still selling those damn Lily dolls. And go, yeah, no, let's take her off TV completely. Because we don't have enough women on the roster to do a non-title women's feud for WrestleMania. We don't have enough time on the show, even though we had four hours of pre-show activities, SP3, with no matches whatsoever. Even though we showed countless, and I mean countless, minutes of video packages and promos and previews and recaps that filled God knows how much time of those four-hour shows each night. Couldn't do that. Couldn't cut down on that just a little bit to build something for one of your most talented female superstars to do heading into WrestleMania. And then, yeah, she could have taken a couple of weeks off, just like Carmella's doing right now for her wedding. They got married a whole two days apart from one another. It is mind boggling to me. And, and the thing that you just have to accept here with WWE, when it comes to people like Alexa Bliss, they may be your favorite. You may see the value in them, but WWE, for whatever reason, doesn't care. They, they just don't value them to the level that you do. And I take a look at Becky Lynch acknowledging that there was talks for her wrestling Bailey at WrestleMania last year. Everybody's clamoring for Bailey to get on the damn show some way, somehow, as a reward for putting the entire damn company on her back along with Roman Reigns and carrying it through the pandemic era. Reward that woman by putting her on the damn show. And they said, nah. Because they don't put Bailey up there. With that top six, that golden six, that golden seven that we talk about so often. Bailey ain't part of the club. Neither is Alexa Bliss. So when it comes to WrestleMania, they did not value putting them on there. And it sucks. For whatever reason, whatever reason, Bailey's now missed back-to-back WrestleManias because she unfortunately got hurt 
had to miss this year's WrestleMania. And then last year, she wasn't important enough to bring Becky Lynch back for. No, they had to wait until they had an emergency and they called Becky Lynch five days before SummerSlam and said, hey, we might need you. And then when they needed her, they had her squash Bianca Belair. <laughs> Somebody that you actually built at WrestleMania and were building up. They made good this year at WrestleMania on that. And then they'll probably feed her to Sonya Deville next week. It sucks. I want Alexa, I want Alexa Bliss back on my TV. She deserves better. Uh, somebody who deserves a lot better. And hopefully he's going to get it. Fightful Select also reporting that Kushida has left WWE. And I do believe the latest update says that his contract expired. That his deal expired and he was able to just leave so that would mean to me no non-compete and he is free to go wherever that he wants that is the latest development from fightful select so sp3 real quick here because we're already at 52 minutes of this half hour podcast your reaction to Kashida leaving wwe i'm not surprised i mean they put him in a tag team with ikaman jiguro named jacket time or as us on True Hill, he'd have been calling it jackass time because yeah, yeah, they, they, they had a little plan for him. He was going to be the centerpiece of their cruiserweight division. Remember when the reports were, they were going to elevate the cruiserweight division and make it one of the more important titles. Mm -hmm. And that lasted about three months, ladies and gentlemen. And then they completely scrapped the division, the title and everybody that was important in it in a matter of a few weeks. It's like, WWE, you never cease to amaze me. Now, Kushida, I, I understand he he loves America. He wanted to come to America, and that's why he signed with WWE. Now, if you want to stay in America, there's a very better option that, you know, although they are <laughs> capped out, in my opinion, when it comes to stars and guys at your level who are good in-ring performers but might not be top star performers, you can go to AEW and find something for yourself that's a little better than what you've been doing in NXT 2.0 with Ikamanjiro. But I would say the best option for you is to head back home to Japan, go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, the junior division where you would dominate. I think you're a seven-time IWGP junior heavyweight champion. They need you badly. And there's new stars for you to compete with, like El Desperado, Yo, Sho. There's plenty of guys who can reignite your feud with Hiromu Takahashi. Or New Japan Pro Wrestling can finally give you what you really wanted before you left and you decided to go to America and sign with WWE. You could be a heavyweight in their heavyweight division, a division you never were able to tap into because they always needed you in the junior heavyweight division. And you can have your matches with Okada, with Tadahashi, with Naito, with Shingo Takagi, with Will Ospreay, who was one of your best rivals in the junior heavyweight division. Now he's a he's a 
heavyweight with Zack Sabre Jr., who's having one of the best years of anybody in professional wrestling. There is plenty of stars for you to compete with that you haven't competed with, or it's been years that you haven't competed with them, that it would be fresh matchups. I think that New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best option for Kushida to go back to. And even if you want to stay in America, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, New Japan of, of, of America, they need stars too. And you can be a major star for them there. So whatever way it is, I think that New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best thing for him. But WWE never let Kushida be Kushida. They, they never consistently devoted in him, invested in him. It took them a damn year to put him on a takeover show. That says it all to me. They, they, the, the, four, the three to four months where he was important and he won the Cruiserweight division, oh, fine and dandy. The great match that he had with Johnny Gargano at TakeOver Vengeance Day, great match that I still remember from last year, but those times where he felt important just felt few and far between for someone that signed with this company in 2019 and once again they didn't give him a takeover match for a whole damn year yeah it seemed like they just never knew what to do with the guy which is insane right like he's got an incredible gimmick. He is insane in the ring. Just let the man do his thing. And now hopefully he's going to get to do his thing. If those rumors do turn out to be true, I think a great spot for him to show up would be that AEW New Japan show in Chicago. I think that would be a great way for him to, to debut, whether it's for either company, uh, to be completely honest with you. That would be a great spot for him to pop up, but I do uh, wish him uh, all the best. I think you you laid it out. Uh, perfectly right there one for the road sp3 real quick the lie detector test the wedding both or neither those were two heavily anticipated segments on last night's monday night raw i'll take the lie detector test because it was actually entertaining the wedding nearly put me to sleep thank you Dallas Mavericks for Maxi Kleba <laughs> and Jalen Brunson having the games of their lifetime and them without without their star player Luka Dantage beating the Utah Jazz in game two because that was on the big screen while Raw was on my laptop because I wisely chose to have the NBA playoffs on the bigger screen because Raw after that first 90 minutes was a sleeper but in that first 90 minutes was that lie detector cast with Kevin Kevin Owens being entertaining as hell. Chad Gable's the funniest guy on Monday nights. And Ezekiel, this gimmick that is so goofy, so utterly ridiculous and stupid, is actually getting over and it's actually been enjoyable for me. Although the match was, I, I could have been done without the match and the finish with Otis causing the disqualification. This company never knows how to just do the. This is this guy's first match. He's the rookie of the year. He's looked like he he has been in the ring for years, but this is his first match ever, and he doesn't even get a pinfall or submission win. He has to win by DQ. WWE just always ruins good things. Here's my here's my question about Ezekiel, right? If if you're trying to to book this new character, why are you booking him the exact same way that you booked Elias? The exact same way. Instead of 
walk with Elias. It's now hear Zeke speak. You're doing the exact no, it's same who, gimmick. who wants to hear Zeke speak, which popped me tremendously. Still, I was like, it's the I same was like, damn thing. You just took that? away his pants and his beard. He's the same so, damn character. So what? So what? Owen Hart, Owen Hart based much of his gimmick off his brother. So what's the problem? <laughs> you didn't complain about that. Don't complain about this. I, I will say that uh, uh, Ezekiel desperately needed Elias in attendance after Otis showed up. So maybe we'll get a big tag team. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Elias will return and save the day. And that could be a huge matchup we get at WrestleMania Backlash is the Alpha Academy against Elias and Ezekiel. I would definitely love uh, to see that match uh, go down. By the way, the real Samson quick. Samson Brothers. Yes, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Samson, I forgot his last name was Samson. Jesus Christ. Um, I'll say this much about the wedding. Uh, there were a couple of fun spots there. I think the the biggest pop that I had was Naomi and Sasha Banks being the bride bridesmaids for Tamina. If you're one of these people who's on social media popping off that, oh, Sasha Banks is one of the greatest competitors ever and she's above all this comedy bullshit, guys, it was actually a callback to some long-term booking. Can we just be happy with that? She stood there and got teary-eyed during a wedding. It ain't that big of a deal. She's a tag she, team champion. She defended the titles the, earlier on in the night. It's okay. She couldn't even get work tears for that. She just did this, and people were saying that she was teary eyed. But no, the, that pop that popped me as well as it it popped me for the crowd getting popped over a lesbian wedding. They they won. When is WWE gonna deliver? This is now two weddings in a row where they teased a lesbian marriage and didn't follow through on it. First was Liv Morgan and Lana during Lana and Bobby Lashley's wedding, and then this one. They need to realize you need to pay off the lesbian marriage. It needs to happen, dude. You got Sonya Deville right there. If anybody's gonna do an actual LGBTQ angle on TV. Have it be somebody who is a champion for the LGBTQ community. Or another route you could have gone is, did you see how much Liv and Rhea really, really loved working with one another? You could have played into those fantasies there. Rhea Ripley did a really good job, by the way, in her interview with Sean Rossap, talking about all the fans, and she knows what the hell she's doing, all right, with the pins and everything. She knows what she's doing. She knows how big of a freak all you all are. She sees your tweets. We see your tweets as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Rick Uccino at TrueHeelSP3. No E in the word true there. Make sure to hammer the subscribe button. Make sure to hammer the thumbs up. We appreciate you guys listening to all 61 minutes of this half-hour podcast. Lot to cover on Monday Night Raw. See, I told you, SP3, there was a lot to cover last night. Myself and Jeremy Bennett will be back tomorrow to recap everything that's going on. <laughs> On NXT 2.0, and then SP3 and myself will be back. I'll actually be doing something for Dynamite this week. First time since WrestleMania. Woo! Let's go. Pumped to actually talk about a uh, good show. Anyway, you've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.